Welcome back to Don't Give Up Space Cowboy, the podcast that will never ghost you and leave you in a graveyard waiting for your girlfriend to show up. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer, joined as always with my my co-host, Chris Mosier. Chris, how are you today? I'm feeling the real folk blues today, Jeremy. How about you? I finally understand why you talk about dreams so much in these episodes (laughs) that barely had anything to do with dreams. Uh, And yeah. Um, yeah, so we're here to cover the last two episodes of Don't Give Up, no, excuse me, of Cowboy Bebop. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. These were really great episodes. I, yes. I, I have no negativity towards Cowboy Bebop at all. Um, I had one complaint through the last, like, I kept waiting for this, right? Like, I've said that many mm-hmm. times on this podcast. I kept waiting for, like, the meat of the story. Um, now that it's here and it's done and I've seen it all, now I want to go back and watch the series and just live in the world and soak in it. And I think that having a action, like super action oriented plot where we see Vicious every episode and what's Vicious doing and what's, and checking in on Julia and all that other stuff would just be a distraction from like living and breathing in this world. So definitely I'm rolling back. I like that we get our, our big crazy episode i think it's like five episodes in maybe four episodes in at the first and then we have these last two to to really blow it out um and then that's that's really it and i'm, I'm kind of happy with mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm satisfied yeah um i really really like the way that this comes together i've seen this last episode uh many times over the years since the last time i rewatched this which is probably about 10 years ago now that i really think about it um but the second to last episode, I actually haven't seen for quite some time. And seeing, you know, this is a two-parter. You got to watch both. And seeing it all together, it was like, it was just a really good movie. That's what it feels like we just watched. Yes, absolutely. Um, and an appropriately linked movie. I feel like movies are too mm-hmm. long nowadays. That's my grandpa comment for the podcast. <laughs> Um, so we're going to be covering The Real Folk Blues Part 1, which came out on April 17th, 1999. It was written by Kiko Nobumoto Fade briefly teams up with Julia when she assists her escape from a red dragon hit squad and relays a message to Spike about Julia's whereabouts. Spike and Julia finally reunite. The Bebop is severely damaged by the hit squad that follows Faye back to the ship. Boy, I feel like this is not, this is not doing a great service to this episode. Like so much cool shit happens that they have just like plainly listed out as if it were a grocery list that I'm kind of upset about it. Yeah. Synopses are always just terrible. That's just the way it seems to go. Um, so we start out, on some random planet. I guess this is Mars. And uh, there's a rainy street with people walking around and we see a blonde woman walk into a room and she gets a message and the message says, the elders are making their move. You're in danger. Um, Go which quickly, is, but quietly. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is very reminiscent of all the flashbacks that Spike had um, throughout the series, but namely in the very first episode, I think that we, we see some of this stuff, his black and white uh, flashbacks to a, to a rainy street. Now, I can't, like picturing this in my head right now, I can't remember if this part of it of the episode is a flashback or it's present day. Either way, it kind of mirrors itself regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, you know, regardless, this is the same place. This, this is a, a similar setting to, to what Spike remembers. Yeah, I feel like since we since we see we switch over to vicious, um, like following a crowd of goons and guns blazing, um, that this is happening in real time. Like this is not the the yeah. flashbacks. Um, so so vicious shows up to this this room. Uh, it's obviously like a setup for a coup where he's going to kill mm-hmm. a bunch of people. But surprise, the elders are one step away ahead of him, and they they have they have arranged this as a trap. Yeah, they um you know. Despite his best efforts, and despite how this like starts off, like they they kick the door and they kill a lot of people, because um, Vicious is vying to be leader of the syndicate, like you said. Um, but yeah, he he gets he gets captured. He insists that they kill him because he doesn't he doesn't want to. That that's not his vibe. Getting captured that's not a vicious move. No. Um, but they they obviously they don't kill him, and and he says, "Don't forget, a serpent's venom poisons slowly after the bite," and then he's taken away. Yes. I uh, I wrote that line down because there's a lot of really quotable shit in this episode that mm-hmm. um, like 18, 19 year old Jeremy would have lost his shit about. Like oh, it's so sure. it's so fucking good. I'm so sad. I waited till I was not that age. Let's just not mm-hmm. even talk about like it. Like 25. You're like 25. That right sounds, sounds about right. Yeah. Um, so we go over to Jet and Spike who are at the appropriately named Losers Bar, which would definitely mm-hmm. be like the bar that I would go to if, if I <laughs> yeah. lived in this place. Yeah. Um, uh, it's a pretty chill, pretty quiet spot. Um, they're complaining about. Um, Ed and Faye leaving and how like, you know, they, they, they just came in, they messed everything up. They ate her food. They took her money and now they're just gone. Still like 
unable to admit the fact that like they formed a family and that they miss them. Yes. Um, they don't have a lot of time to uh, truly belabor that, though, because suddenly there's just a shootout. Yes. Spike kind of senses something with his spiky sense. Um, yeah. And like they dodge out of the way just in time for more goons to come shoot people. Jet takes a hit in the leg. Things are like getting like really uh, intense here. Um, and Spike, then Spike uses a like a like a drink mixer as a distraction, so he could shoot yes, some dudes. He pretends it's a grenade. Yeah, yeah it's very <laughs> hilarious to me. Um, and then out of nowhere comes Shin, um, who I don't believe we've met before. Right? We no, met Shin's brother, Lin. We met Shin, yes, in um, Jupiter Jazz. Yeah. Uh, on the cold planet, which the name escapes me right now. Yeah, Jin is. He was somebody who was friends with Spike, but he was working for Vicious, and he's the one who shoots Spike with, like, the tranquilizer dart or whatever. Yes. Um, from here, uh, they they basically get Jet out and while Shin covers them. Um, yeah. Um, Shin comes in, and he says, you know, they took Vicious cap, uh, hostage, and now they're coming for Spike and Julia. Yeah. Um, Spike is pretty surprised to hear Julia's name, because as far as he knows, as far as the audience knows, uh, Julia has been dead for a number of years now. So is that is that true? Because I thought in that same Jupiter Jazz episode, oh yeah, that's right, Julia just ended up being a code word for drugs. So yes, that was yeah, yes. never mind. Okay, um, so we go over to a doctor's office where Jed is getting his leg worked on and and basically like pleading with Spike not to do anything with this, uh, like to, not not to like go on any weird revenge quest. He's like, you, you know, you're out of this business, and you know, uh, you know, Red. I think he says something like Red Dragon. That's a name that sounds like a spell that opens a door, one that should remain closed. <laughs> Yeah, Jet Jet kills it with the with these lines. He says, uh, he says, "Vicious Julia." To me, those names sound ominous, like a magic spell that opens a door, a door that should stay closed, um, because those are those are things that have sort of been swirling around Spike since Jet met him. But Jet has, you know, as we've seen, he's never really confronted Spike about his past, or um, Spike's never really given up any information about his past. Nothing really tangible. They know you know, vignettes here and there about each other, but there's so much that has gone unsaid, but Jet knows Spike well enough to, to really sense what's brewing. Yes. And Spike is silent throughout this, and you can tell he's he's thinking a lot, and, and he starts to remember Ju- Julia. And we have this flashback scene where he says that he's leaving the syndicate and that he's going to wait for her at the graveyard. And she, basically, she says, like, no, I can't come with you. Like, they'll, they'll kill me. And he's like, no, 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 you, you can. We can we can escape from this. And all of this is kind of interspersed with images of gunfire and mm-hmm. violence and, and just, like, this kind of scattered. It's very much like a dream, right? Like, you're remembering yes. something through a dream, and it's... Yep. All extremely cool. Yes. Live, be free. It will be like watching a dream, is what Spike tells Julia. Uh, and from here, we move on to Julia in a convertible, like driving, obviously present day. And she remembers Vicious holding a gun to her head and basically chastising her, saying, "There's you should not have, you should, I can't even believe you think you could leave. Yeah. And again, his, his verbiage is, keep dreaming, Julia. Like... You can't like yeah keep, like, keep dreaming kid like you can't you can't do this what are you crazy you can't escape you're part of this so um, she's uh, basically vicious is saying you have to kill Spike you have to set him up otherwise you're both gonna die yes uh, vicious is a dick man <laughs> like mm-hmm. like I just don't like this <laughs> like, what yeah, you, he, he sure, he sure lives up to his name yeah he's just he's just bad um, we go to the spaceport and uh, Faye is like watching the ships come and go and she sees this old lady talking to herself and like obviously worried that she's being abandoned in this spaceport when finally her son appears and it's just a weird little cameo that this is the guy from the bounty hunter show that yeah because he's yeah. like because she, she's like do you, have you found a job yet and he's like no and it's like well what about your your co-host and he's like I, I think she's talking with her agent or something like it was just like wait a minute what it's are you doing here subtle. it's super subtle because he doesn't have an accent he's super yeah. really normal he's dressed totally different um i i really love this i never noticed this before it's clearly very obvious but um you know we've got bigger things on our minds it's just it, i don't know it was just this nice little thing to to see this character who was in it almost every single episode of the show and yeah i just I, I, it's just something really the only the only thing that was missing from these two episodes are like another appearance by the three amigos right like that we just didn't yeah, see those guys. yeah <laughs> um 
Faye gets in- inside of her ship and uh, Spike calls. And it's Spike is basically extremely rude to her. It tells her to like stop wasting time and come back to the ship immediately and all this other stuff. And uh, she shuts him down and just hangs up. And then like as she is sitting there in her ship, uh, Julia comes screaming down the road in her convertible, being chased by what is very obvious red dragon goons mm-hmm. and, tr- and just basically trying to shoot her and kill her. And Faye... I love Faye's reaction to this because literally anything could be happening right now. Like Faye does not know the situation, but she just pulls out a gun and blows out the tires of the car chasing the chasing the, the pretty blonde woman. And I, I love her yeah. for that. Like, yep, I'm going to take the chick side, 100. Yep. And then she just like hops in the car. Uh, they speed away. They're in a shootout. They escape. Like it's just this whole thing, and they barely exchange a word. I don't think they do exchange a word until after it's all done with. Yeah, they don't. They, they don't say any. They don't even introduce themselves until like a later scene. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. Uh, um. It's afterwards. After all the excitement is over, they escaped. It's Faye and Julia are standing there, like by the side of the road, and they're just smoking, standing next to each other. Um. I believe that Julia says that she's looking for a, a bounty hunter, uh, and Faye's like, "Oh, I'm a bounty hunter," but she says, "No, I'm looking for a specific. I'm looking for you know, I'm looking for Spike Spiegel." Um. They introduce each other under their their. They're common names. They say something about that. How oh, Faye's a common name. Julia's a common name. Um, but I mean, I don't know. It's it's just this interesting thing. Like they they don't see themselves as anything special. Yeah, it's it is interesting. Is is because you would expect like like in a in a fantasy novel, right? Like when two of your big characters like finally hook up and they finally get to meet. Like you would expect like not necessarily sparks to fly, but you would expect some like story exchange of like, oh, I've been killing the elves. Oh, I've been killing the dwarves. It's so weird. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And that doesn't really happen here. It's just kind of like a game, rec- real subtle game recognized game of like, yeah, I can tell you're a badass and you can tell I'm a badass. So like, let's just chill out on like actually talking about it at all, which is yeah. extremely badass of both of them. Yes. But as Julia drops Faye back off, uh, Julia says, if you see Spike again, tell him that I'll be waiting there. So now she's, you know, the other shoe is dropped, and she says, I know who you are, Faye, I, and um, I know that you know Spike, so. Yeah. Um, from here... This is where we go back to the Bebop. Yeah. And yeah, they're you. in the dark, and Jet starts talk telling the story. And we were recently, we were looking at some, like, meme about this uh, that somebody posted on Twitter or something. Um, just, like, the ridiculous kind of, like... Um, little stories that they share in Cowboy Bebop. But he tells a story about um, a a hunter who is dying from a wound, and then he comes around to the quote, which is sort of a famous Bebop quote, is men only think about the last... Uh, oh, excuse me. Men only think about their lives right before their death, as if they were searching frantically for proof that they were alive. I may have misquoted that because it looks like I, I typed it wrong. Um, but yeah, we kind of see all of these. I, that's, that's where I, I see Jet in all of this. Jet isn't really putting himself in mortal danger for the rest of these two episodes, but it's almost like he's trying to, I don't know, in some way, shape, or form, provide proof to Spike or to himself that they they had a friendship, they had a camaraderie, they had a life. You know, there there was something there. They were they were family for for a period of time, um, and it's only now that he realizes that this family is coming to its end. That this that there's there's this death of friendship. Um, that he he really sees it for what it was. Yeah, and this is this is impactful. Like as this this trope of telling stories and then immediately saying like one person would say I like that story and then the person who told it like I hate stories like that. It's mm-hmm. about this thing. It's about these men that do this or that. And I I I really enjoyed this. I think this is like an Ernest Hemingway kind of thing. This sounds like definitely um, definitely. And it's just like Jet kind of acknowledging that he like starting to acknowledge that he may have missed out on some stuff because he just didn't take chances to a degree i think it's and it's going to play into what happens in these two episodes and it's going to play into why he's not like really an active part of it so yeah um so you know he, he basically is asking spike to to forget about this fight to put it behind him but spike says that he can't because there there's a woman and um she is the, the missing part of himself that he has been longing for all of this time it's not something that he can just walk away from yeah and you know, this is, we've talked about Spike a lot. Like, Spike, um, it, or kind of, I think, I, I don't remember quite what we said. Like, they're leading, like, they're living, like, ghosts of their lives. Or, like, ghost yeah, versions of their they're lives. Yeah, they're, like, ghosts of their, their former lives. Like, yeah. they, they never were able to reestablish, truly reestablish themselves as anything other than ghosts of who they used to be. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's like you could tell that Spike is struggling with this, right? Like he's just he he now that he knows that Spike, excuse me, that Julia is alive, like this gives him a different reason for living as opposed mm-hmm. to just coasting through life, which is pretty much all we've seen Spike do. Like Spike is yeah. just like he shows up at various places and he does various things to put either food in his belly or money in his pocket. Like that's it. Right. That's, that's all he right. does. Um, so about this point, uh, Jet gets a call from his cop buddy who says, Hey, uh, the red dragon vicious attempted a coup. The red dragon uh, or dragon dudes are coming. Um, you need to run. You need to leave Mars and get the hell out of there. And then sure enough, we see like a squad of ships flying towards the bebop. Yeah. Um, and, uh, right around this time, Faye shows up with the message from Julia. Um, but yeah, uh, they need to run now because oh yeah, shit's sorry. popping off. I did I did skip the part about Faye. My bad. Yeah. Um. Let's see. So okay. Yeah. So Faye goes and she goes to talk to Spike. She tries to play it all cool. Um. But Spike is like super focused on what he's doing. Um. And Faye tells Spike that someone is trying to kill julia she reiterates the message like she'll be waiting there um she doesn't know what that means spike obviously does um and instantly spike like flies off he gets in a ship and like takes off um uh, and at this point the bebop is being tracked so they all jump into their separate ships and they go into battle to defend the uh, the bebop yeah um i boy just, just put all of this like space battle shit into my veins, Chris. It's mm-hmm, so fucking mm-hmm. gorgeous. Like these ships look so cool. They move. Like the sense of motion is so amazing. Like it slows down when people are going super fast, and it's just, oh man, it just, it's just so fucking great. Like I could see why, like everybody, like I can see why you did, why you, why people saw this and were like, yeah, let's make some cool ass mech shit. Like I'm, I know, I know, cool ass mech shit existed before this. I'm not saying that, but like I, like everything that I've ever associated with mechs being cool, cool as shit is now like part of bebop in my mind right like it just looks so good yeah um and this is kind of our last hurrah for this this is the last time that we see it and i think it's very fitting that it's these people defending their home because regardless of of who they are or or what they were before now the bebop has been the home of the series and the home of these characters for you know 25 episodes uh and now they're they're defending it and thankfully they succeed (laughs) yes but it does take a bunch of damage like and i was i was really concerned that they would do like oh it's the last two episodes so we're gonna kill jet and Faye so that spike has to have a revenge quest thing but that doesn't quite happen it's just they're just damaged that would have been awful um super um Meanwhile, um, uh, Vicious is about to be executed. They have him mm-hmm. like chained up against the wall. It's very dramatic. Um, and uh, all of a sudden, that bird, you thought it was an accessory this entire time? That big old vulture on his shoulder? Uh-uh. Uh, that bird swoops in, and it just fucking explodes. <laughs> and like takes a bunch of people out, and Vicious is able to get free from his chains. <laughs> and I think somebody throws him his sword, and it's yes. just... All hell breaks loose, and Vicious, he walks out of this as the new leader of the syndicate when he kills the the old leader. And we, sh- we should mention that, like, this the scene of violence that Vicious is going through as his as his crew, like, starts executing the elders and everybody and, like, yeah, throws him a sword and he starts sword fighting in the middle of this gunfight. Like, all of this is interspersed with the dogfighting that, that, that Spike and yeah. Faye are doing. And the whole time, the this very chill is the wrong word, but that's the word I'm going for, this very chill, like, jazz yeah. Uh, song is playing throughout mm-hmm. all of it just really holding this scene down um so that happens on vicious's end and then we reach a point with um the rest of the gang and spike uh, or jet tells spike find what you lost and get it back go he creates the opportunity for for spike to get out of there and go do what he needs to do this is in a way i don't know i, I don't want to call it jet's farewell because it's not he does see him again mm-hmm. but um yeah that's that's jet's trying to create the, the opening create the opportunity for to spike to go clean up his unfinished business and then uh vicious has a line here i believe where he says and you will shed tears of scarlet as he starts like mowing people down with his sword and just yeah. like if you've got a sword you got to talk about tears of scarlet man it's in the yeah, laws it's in the bylaws <laughs> you got to yeah. do it them's the rules and then we go over to the graveyard where there's a discarded red rose on the ground, an image we've seen throughout the series. Uh, Julia's there and Spike is there. Julia draws her gun and Spike doesn't move. And it says to be continued. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, 
which rolls us right into uh, session 26, The Real Folk Blues, part two, April 24th, 1999, written again by yeah. Kiko Nobumoto. Vicious claims leadership of the Red Dragon Syndicate and Julia and Spike are finally reunited. The two plan to run away as before, but Spike still feels the desire for revenge, leading to a final confrontation with Vicious and the Syndicate. Um Notably, this doesn't have an intro. Like this, to me, like mm-hmm. you just went straight into Julian Spike. Like this feels yeah. like it was a direct. I'm surprised these didn't air at the sa- on the same day. Yeah. The um, only thing of interest, I guess, before that is the preview for this episode at the end of the last one. Um, it's because it's um, Spike and Jet, like just talking about the show being over. Like, oh, yep, this is the end, and um. Something, something, something about like Jet liking dogs now or something like that. Uh, but in the background of that is Faye saying, "The past is the past. The present is the present. I am who I am." And that's all that we get from that. It's just this like big jumbled mess, and then it's like goes into the next episode. Yeah, uh, very good stuff right there. Um, so we we we're at the standoff between Julia and Spike. Um, he says it was it was raining that day as well, kind of saying like, "Hey, you know." you were supposed to show up and you didn't. And she says, Hey, I was supposed to kill you. And the only way I could free myself was, was by doing so. And it, this, this back and forth is just, is just so good. Like I'm, I'm doing it, I'm doing it a disservice, even trying mm-hmm. to describe it. It's, it's two people who have longed for each other for a very long time, who were torn apart by life and circumstance and, and literally the syndicate. And, you know, they've almost been on like opposite sides of death. Right. Um, as far as, as Spike knew, Julia was dead. As far as Julia knew, I don't know what she thought of Spike, but there, there has been this, this veil of life and death between them for all these years. And, um, they play it very cool. You know, Spike is not one to really lose his composure unless he's in like a big fight or something. But yeah, she's, she's the first one to break. She lowers the gun. She runs to him and says, why did you love me? Um, she hugs him and she asks once again for them to escape. And, um, I believe that the two voice actors in the English dub are married in real life now. Uh, I don't know if they're married at the time of this, but I just think that that's very nice. Oh, for real? That's nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I do like that. Um, yeah, that's super cool. I like that. Uh, so she basically just begs him to to run away, right? Yeah, and um, uh, Spike's down. Spike's ready. DTR uh, down to run. <laughs> He's DTF down to flee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's mm-hmm. gonna get the fuck out of there. Yeah. Um, it's weird because they start playing "Run Away with Me" by Carly Rae Jepsen in the scene. Yeah. Um, which has, I mean, I say weird because that song does have like that excellent, excellent uh, saxophone intro, which is it's very powerful. It's very fitting here where they're sitting in the graveyard. I just didn't know that Carly Rae was around during Bebop's original airtime. Yeah, where she got her start, right? Yeah, she's older was, than I thought. It was this, and then call me maybe, and then, <laughs> or yeah. no, no, wait, she it was it. She was Friday, right? What, she, what, what did she do? What's, she? I don't even know. She, she said, "Call me maybe." That's correct. Okay, cool. The fact that you would reduce her to to call me maybe, and even think that she was Friday, that's for another podcast. Let's, please continue before I get angry. Who who did who did the Friday song that's now like famous or whatever? A little girl, Rebecca Black. She was a child. Really? I thought oh, she's still this, a child. This entire time, I thought it was I thought it was Carly Rae Jepsen because okay, Jeremy, yeah. what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> I don't listen to Carly Rae Jepsen. Okay, <laughs> I'm not allowed. I'm not legally I mean, allowed. Okay. Okay, what's his name? Jin? No. Who's, Shin. Which one? Shin. 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 Yes. That's right. Shin Shin is talking to Vicious, who is not pleased about the failure to, to kill or capture Spike and Julia. Those are, you know, those are his number one and number two picks, and yeah. he hasn't gotten either of them yet. Um, he tells him not to follow in his brother's footsteps, so I guess we know what happened to Jin. Um, well, Jin so was the one see... that got shot on Jupiter, that Jupiter episode. <laughs> oh, right? yeah. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. We've known about for, that for a while. All right. Directly for coming in between Spike and Vicious in the first place. That's right. He's That's like, right. "Don't follow in your brother's footsteps," or like, you know, "I'm going to kill you if you get in between me and Spike." So, mm-hmm. um, so they head. Uh, Spike and Julia are driving around. They're heading to the like convenience store slash secret syndicate weapons shop that Spike went to in episode five. Um, so they they drive around a couple times because Spike kind of like senses something's a little bit weird. He parks, he goes in alone, uh, and we see that it's Annie, that same woman from episode five, um, and she's bleeding out. She's been shot or something like that because everybody is looking for Spike, and they they came to um, they came to her. She told them that Spike was already dead, but that that wasn't enough. Um, somebody, oh, shit, I wish I wrote down 
who wrote this. I think it was Annie, but um, somebody says they've all lost their sense of place in the world. Definitely um, Annie, because I, I wrote yeah. this down as well. It's, okay. She says it when um, she's telling them that Vicious has killed the elders. Like, you know, just saying, like, everybody has lost their sense of place. Like, shit is just going crazy. Yeah, nobody um, knows who they are anymore. Um, and, she, you know, Julia runs she, over and, yes. and, and, and like is like, oh, holy shit. And then Annie dies, and Spike has to lay her down. And at that same time, final words are: It got a little chilly today. It's those cold winds. Although she is happy that to see Spike and Julia together again. That's like the last thing that she sees. So that's nice. Yes, Um, presuming she ships them, right? Like, I mean, if she oh for sure, she yeah, she's a she's a how do a uh, Uh, spoolia? You like spoolia? spoolia? That's what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking. I I mean, otherwise it's jike, and that sounds like a racist term that hasn't been invented yet. Um, So spoolia it is, unfortunately. Anyway, um, cars pull up out front. Um, Spike is stocking up on ammo and guns and weapons, everything like he did before. Um, Julia still wants to run, but. Spike says they need to they need to stay and fight. Um, and and this time Julia says, "Okay, I'm going to stay by your side. I'm going to fight with you." And they get ready. And then uh, we cut back over to the bebop. Yep. And it um, it looks extremely banged up from the outside. And Face Ship is also extremely banged up. And uh, Jet is trying to fix Face Ship when Faye walks up, and she's basically like. He basically says, yeah, neither one of these things are flying anytime soon. And Faye says, well, you know, Spike isn't going to be coming back. And Jet says, like, yeah, and I'm not going to go after him. Like, I don't I don't give a damn or whatever. But that's, like, completely not true. Like, he's just telling himself yeah. that, right? Like, he's just, it's just, like, he's just pretending that he doesn't care about this person that he actually cares about. Um, mm-hmm. And then, boy, he asks what Julia is like. And Faye says, ordinary, but that kind of dangerous ordinary that you can't leave alone. Like an angel from the underworld or a devil from paradise. And boy, 19-year-old Jeremy would be writing that on the back of oh, a fucking yeah. book, notebook somewhere, my man. 100%. I'm lucky. I'm lucky. 100%. I don't have... If I had seen this in 1999, I would have probably had this this line tattooed on my body somewhere. Like, yeah, ridiculously. Yeah. I don't know how I don't know how I, I got out of high school without uh, a, a Bebop tattoo. I, it's like, I ate this shit. I mean, I still eat this shit up. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's so good, man. Um, like th- nobody should be able to sell these lines as well as they do. Like they're so overwrought, but they deliver the- deliver them with with such coolness. It's not fair. It's definitely not fair. Um, an explosion happens outside of Annie's as they start breaking in. Men come in chasing Julia and Spike, so they have to go into the back and up the stairs. They head out onto the fire escape, onto some rooftops. They're all being shot at the, at the- shot at the entire time, and of course, Julia is shot. And we have you get this. A little, you get a little choked up. <laughs> this dramatic slow mo picture, uh, a slow mo shot of her falling as birds are like flying in behind her. Um, it's almost like this is what Spike has been waiting for all these years, or this is what like confirmation of the thing that he believed for so long. You know, he thought she was dead. As far as I'm aware, that's my interpretation of it. Maybe he didn't think she was dead. I don't know, but. He didn't really know what her fate was, and it's almost like this is this whole time that Spike tried to escape the the entire series of Bebop and the the years since he left the Syndicate. Those that was Spike dreaming. That's and this is Spike waking from the dream. This like really angelic shot as she falls down and these doves fly up past her. This is this is Spike waking from the dream, and and this is Julia waking from the dream too. Absolutely, and. Like, I love the sound design here because, like, this they, they, they really up the sound of rain. Like, it's all like Spike can't hear anything, he can't hear the bullets, they're, they're being fired at him. All he hears is the sound of rain as he watches, like, this woman who he's longed after and that he, you know, has not been able to be with this for a large portion of his life just fall to the ground and, and die. And when she when he rushes over, she says something like, We see your lips move, but we can't hear what she says at all. And then her eyes close, and the camera. Like Spike looks up into the rain, and the camera like zooms in on his pupil, and and, and yeah, we're, we we start seeing like a completely different ship, and then some weird yeah. shit happens. <laughs> I can't I can't remember which eye they zoom in on because they zoom in on another eye later because Spike has one real eye and one fake eye. As we're gonna, I, I I guess we don't know that, do we? Have they told us that before? I know they tell us in this episode, but I can't remember if they've previously told us that Spike has a fake eye because yes. he has this this line, and we'll get to it about you know I see the past with one eye, the present with the other, and they zoom in on one, and I wonder is like is that his eye that he sees the present with, or is that the eye that he sees the past with? Um, because there's the, there's something like past, um, Spike's past 
dies right there. I think when Julia dies, his past dies, he wakes up from the dream. This is, he's present day Spike now. And present day Spike is not happy. Yes. And yes, I, then things get weird because the jet goes to a shaman who, <laughs> who Spike Spike went to the shaman in episode one um, or, or one of the early episodes. Um, jet goes to him looking for Spike. They discuss guardian stars. When, when life ends, the star falls and disappears. Um, he calls Jet running rock. And for some reason, Jet gets really mad at that. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know why, if it's just like a, Hey, I don't have time for your bullshit. But for me, I was like, is that supposed to tell me something about Jet that like, maybe we've never dived into or, um, I don't know. But, um, he tells him that, uh, the star is about to fall. Death is always at our side. And, um, if they aren't afraid of it, death will guide them gently into the infinity. There's, he talks about, talks about death. Yes. Um, and you know, do not fear that or whatever. Um, meanwhile, this just shows up at Annie's shop. Um, and finds Julia's coat and passport. And uh, he says of Spike, he is a beast that has lost his place. He has no one else to turn to now. He will come to me. Mm-hmm. So basically the henchmen were like, do you want us to chase him down? And he's like, nah, man, he's, I know what's about to happen. I'm going to go get in the yeah. coolest fucking place I can possibly have a showdown in and then yeah. hang out there for a little while. Yeah. I, also, you need to pick up another uh, exploding bird for me to hang on my arm. <laughs> like, I need, yeah. to, I need an extremely I extra feel, bird. I feel naked without it. Like, we have a regular bird. He's like, nope, not nope. enough stuff with explosives. Yeah, yeah, put some, um, put some C4 in that bad boy. Yeah. So uh, Jet wakes up um, because Spike is back on the bebop. Um, Spike's asking for food and, and Jet cooks him up a meal. Looks like Bill Peppers and Beef without the beef. Um, Jet smokes while Spike eats and they, they just talk and they seem, uh, Jet specifically seems super happy to have Spike back. Um, and, uh, is this the one? Oh, this is, this is the, the story that, that Spike tells something about. There was a tiger striped cat who lived a million lives and died uh, a million deaths. One day he became a stray cat and he was free, but he fell in love. And, uh, when his love died, so did he, but he didn't come back to life. Um, so not that spike has literally died uh all of these times but like when he was free nothing mattered when you know when he was living that life as a ghost he just kept going on and on and on and haunting on forever now that julia is gone he doesn't think that he can keep living that same way you know this is it this is this is the big one now um i really i really enjoyed this reaction when chet says that's a good story and Spike says, I hate that story. I've never liked cats. You know that. And then they both kind of crack up like it's the best inside joke they ever heard. Like Mm -hmm. they just really get each other in this moment in a way that makes both of them laugh. And it's kind of like bittersweet almost. It's super sad. (laughs) And it's, but it's so good. Like you've had these moments with friends before where like you feel that something has completely changed and all you can do is laugh about it. And it's, Mm -hmm. man, it's to have this. Like this moment between Jet and Spike has been kind of building for most of the season, most of the series, I think, and it's just man, it's such a good payoff without being like dramatic in this moment, mm-hmm. right? Like they don't play that Americana track from Supernatural when they're when we're doing this, yeah. So it's um, it's it's very it's very powerful. It's very um, yeah, it's good stuff. And um, you know, Spike walks away and he says, Jet says, "Is it for the girl?" Spike says she's dead. There's nothing I can do for her now. Um, and as he's walking out, Faye steps in. She puts a gun to Spike's head and asks like where he's going and, and why he's going. Um, and she says, you told me once to forget the past because it doesn't matter. But you're the one still tied to the past, Spike. Um, and this is where this is where Spike gets real. This is like the realest Spike ever gets. <laughs> he gets up in her face and he says, look at my eyes, Faye. One of them is fake because I lost it in an accident. Since then... I've been seeing the past in one eye and the present in the other. So I thought I could only see patches of reality, never the whole picture. Faye says, don't tell me things like that. You've never told me anything about yourself, so don't tell me now. And then Spike says the line that he said to Vicious in episode five. I felt like I was watching a dream I could never wake up from. Before I knew it, the dream was all over. Um, I mean, that's, I think, self-explanatory. Everything that we've talked about this episode and on this podcast, all the, the dreaming and the past life, all that's over now. He He's just woke up and he's Spike Spiegel in, you know, the year 2020 or whatever, you know. Um, and Faye says here, my memory finally came back, but nothing good came of it. There was no place for me to return to. This was the only place I could go. And now you're leaving just like that. Why do you have to go? Where are you going? 
And this is the most probably human and vulnerable that we've really seen Faye in a long time. We have seen pockets of these moments for Faye, but it's it's never been to Spike. It's never really been to, to him or Jet. Um, it's a uh, it's a lot. This is this is Faye desperately. I mean, I guess you could say that like maybe there's some sort of affection or like you could ship Faye and Spike. I think a lot of people do, but I think that this is like this is her family. Her family's breaking up. She she tried to find her past. She tried to find out who she was, and there was nothing there to find. You know, all of all of the the strains of her past are long gone. It's been too long. So all she has to anchor herself to this world now are the friends that she's made on the Bebop, and one of them is about to walk away. Um, so she lays it out like that and spike says i'm not going there to die i'm going to find out if i'm really alive i have to Faye. then she fires her gun off very dramatically up in the air which can't be good for anybody but it sure works for the scene um, also definitely not good for the bebop right no, like just not good for the bebop. <laughs> but this is the only way like th- this is all of the feeling that Faye has pushed deep down underneath all of her her sass and all of her wiles and all of her her attitudes it all comes out in these these gunshots, this, these explosions of emotion that she just can't hold in anymore um, because she really did try to connect with who she was. She really tried to find out who she was. I mean, you can, whatever I read for the, for the preview for this episode, um, uh, the past is the past, the present is the present, I am who I am. She knows who she is now. She knows what she, what she lost and she knows what she has now and she doesn't want to lose anymore. And, um, Spike says he has to go find out if he if he's ever really been alive or if he really is alive now, and um, it's it's heavy shit. It is extremely heavy shit. It, to, um, to cap it all off, the real folk blues starts playing. The song that has yes. been the the credit song for the for the series starts playing in this moment, and like holy shit, dude. And it's not the it's not the like one that you hear at the end of every episode. It's mm-hmm. almost like a different arrangement of it. Uh, yes. Some of this face stuff. I, I, I want to like at the very beginning of their conversation, as Spike is walking away, Faye pulls that gun and she says, "Where are you going? Why are you going?" Mm-hmm. And that "Why are you going?" is such a weird question, and it's such a just this insight into Faye's like her relationship with spike and the family of the bebop and like that connection that you mentioned that she's never had before did not know how to deal with when she had it kind of hated it when she had it was hoping that this her past would help her and of course it didn't and then realizing now that this is about to slip through her fingers what she actually has and just like a very simple and like anguished why are you going is such a just a great way to get that across all of the other stuff obviously helps, but like, man, as soon as she said that, I was like, God damn, this, this fucking sucks. Like they actually like each other. Like they've been pretending to hate each other this whole time, basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's rough. It's really bittersweet. Um, and the other stuff about spikes, uh, I seen the past, seen the present, you know, I could never see the whole, the whole picture or whatever. Um, I don't know. I don't know what spike is seeing right now. Um, I think that spike is so sort of still seeing both, even though I think that he's, he's, you know, waking from the dream and, and his past is over. They're still vicious, right? You know, mm-hmm. his, his past wasn't just Julia vicious is part of his past too. And now he has to, he has to go confront that. So he does with grenades and bullets. Yeah. Um, he's, he's filled with flashbacks and memories of Julia and vicious. They fill his mind as he, as he comes in on the, um, the syndicate, hideout or whatever whatever this is this big building um he drops a grenade and kicks it at the guards and now it's just like explosions and gunfire everywhere as he makes his way um up this tower with the real folk blues continuing to play on he meets shin in the elevator um and shin um he tries to drag him into the elevator but spike gets shot in the arm um, and Shin tells him that Vicious is waiting for him on the top floor. And as they go up, they get out and they just like, I don't know where Spike has all of these explosives at. He's just shoving bombs everywhere and then waiting for people to run by so he can explode them. It's very great. I love it. It's insane. Yeah. It's just this gigantic action set piece. That's just making you sad because of the music that's playing. Um, so yeah, Spike finally barges in on Vicious and like half the room explodes. Um, here we go. You, you you know that Vicious is coming with those lines. He says, so you're finally awake. I told you before, Spike. I'm the only one who can kill you and set you free. Those words apply to yourself as well, Vicious, Spike says. Either way, it's going to end here. So they know they know what's happening here. And they're, and they're both wounded. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they both wound one another. And they both disarm from each other. And 
I think it's Spike that says, Julia's dead. Let's finish this now. And literally, basically, like, throw the, each, each other's, other's weapons, weapons yeah. back to each other. Like, we're going to fight this to the fucking death. Yeah. And they, both want a, they both want a clean, real fight between the two of them. And uh, the last moment, like, there's this kind of scene and, like, this pause, this dramatic pause, and Spike shoots and Vicious collapses. But Spike is still standing there. Mm-hmm. And he he flashes immediately back to Julia dying and says, it was all a dream or excuse me. Julia says to him, it's, it's all a dream. And he says, yes, just a dream. Just a dream. Um, yeah, that, I loved that moment. Cause when she, she has her, you know, she mouths those words to him before and we didn't hear them. And I was like, Oh man, do we just like, never know. Do we never know what she's going to say? Like, I, I totally forget. And then him, you know, getting to hear now it's all a dream. Who boy. Um, it's heavy stuff. And, um, yeah, they before when he was holding her body, they zoomed in on one eye. This is the part where they zoom in on the other eye, um, and I think I don't know. I, I just I'm not sure which eye is which, so I don't know which one they're they're zooming in on. But Spike is either now firmly in the past or firmly in the present, and I'm not sure. Um, I mean, it would make more sense for him to be in the present because yeah. it's everybody's gone now. Um, so he staggers back down the stairs the way he's come. He's bloody and wounded and barely on his feet. The remaining syndicate members all pour into the room. And this is probably the most iconic thing from uh, Cowboy Bebop. One of the, oh, Jesus, Cowboy Bebop. And one of the most iconic scenes in, in any anime ever. Um, where Spike just points his finger like a gun and says, bang. Uh, and then he collapses. Um, with the past resolved, with, with all of that put to rest, fight, uh, Spike, Spike can finally die. And he does. And the the camera zooms out and goes into the sky as the credits roll. And we go through all of our credits and a yeah. sketch of Spike's face relatively up close appears on the screen. And we get, you're going to carry that weight, mm-hmm. uh, which is apparently a reference to carry that weight from the Beatles, Abbey Road. Yeah, this is um, the song that's playing. is called Blue. Uh, it's, it's, they really just stretch it out. It's a long song. Cause this episode was not very long. We get a long credit sequence here. Um, this, yeah. Um, we see like a bright star up in the sky. It, it blinks out it fades. And then we see the, the black and white image of Spike lying there on the ground. Um, you know, I remember when I watched this, I was a, I think I was a senior in high school when I finally finished Bebop. I'd seen episodes here and there and, um, I finally, you know, ordered the DVDs and, and got through it all. And I came into school the next day just like I couldn't believe how this ended. I had become so invested by the end that I remember coming in and talking to Steve, talking to my other friends, and like, I can't, like, I don't believe it. I don't believe that's, that Spike dies. Like, I don't want to believe it. Even though Spike being alive is not what this story is about, it's not the point whether or not these characters get to, like, live and be together. That's not the kind of story this is, so that shouldn't matter. But I still, I was so invested, and I thought Spike was so cool. And I wanted every, I wanted him, Jet and Faye, to, like, be a family and, like, to maybe find Ed again someday and, like, you know, continue on their adventures. But I, I couldn't believe in any way, shape, or form that he was alive, especially watching the star blink out. Um, and then watching it this time, I weirdly was just like, oh, yeah, Spike could totally be alive. <laughs> like, he survived worse. <laughs> I just was like, you know, I always thought, oh, well, he collapses. And even if he was still alive, all those syndicate guys are going to kill him. And, sure. you know, but now I'm watching it. I'm like, no, wait, I've been paying attention this whole time. And spike would now be the leader of the syndicate because that's how it works first of all there are people in the syndicate who wanted spike to be their leader we picked that up through little details throughout it they didn't want vicious they wanted spike spike was the fucking man um so there's that there's also the fact that he killed the the leader vicious so he would you know um succeed him and um yeah i don't know so part of me in in 2019 is like you know what maybe spike doesn't die i get to i just get to have my head cannon where that star blinking out that was vicious It, it doesn't matter the story doesn't matter. It isn't about whether he lived or died. It's that he found out whether he was alive or not. And he was. He was alive. Um, it's it's a hell of an ending. What do you think, Jeremy? Because this is your first time seeing it. So in reading this and or watching this in 2019 uh, and knowing that a big climactic ending had to happen for the, to have the kind of impact that the show did at the time for everybody and their brother to have either seen it or um or just rave about it constantly i assumed it was going to be not a like a cliffhanger ending um but i figured it was either going to be like everybody around spike dies and causes this like revenge quest thing or um or it was specifically going to be jet uh and i kind of 
you know, just, just, you know, narratives being narratives. Like we're going to have a big fight with vicious. Like I realized that this is the, f- the first time real folk blues part one started. Like you just, Oh yeah, this is where this is. This is yeah. where this is going to end yeah. up. Um, and I like these stories that do this, where there's the big climatic fight and the person walks away or one person walks away, but doesn't get very far in this case. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was kind of hoping for that, if that makes sense. Like I didn't want Spike to die, but if they were going to go through all of this, if this was going to be Spike's journey of like, Hey, he has to go through all of this shit. And then at the end, he's, he just, he doesn't even care about living anymore. Right. Uh, so I, when I, when this episode finished, I, def- I definitely thought that Spike did like he's, that dude did. He he has died, and yes. that's and he's probably not coming back. I don't know how they're going to do the movie. I don't care. Um, no. I think thematically, this is this is what it's what you he has to he has to die. It has to be over. The dream is over. You know, um, I don't I I don't think it means as much if he lives mm-hmm. as much as that's what you know you want for a story and for characters that you care about. It doesn't mean as much if he if he makes it through because that's not what this story has been about. You know, yeah. it isn't for Spike. Bebop was not about the present. It wasn't about the future. It was about the past. And he finally put that to rest so that he could rest with it. And that's that's just how it has to be for Spike. Um, I think, I guess watching it now, I did appreciate that for my own self sake, I was like, oh, there's there's enough room. If you want to interpret this a different way and you don't want to be really sad about it, you can't be. It's okay. Um, so the movie, I think, just takes place any old time. You can just kind of stick it in anywhere. I um, um and, yeah. which is totally fine by me. Um, I I, I have to say this is just a since we're finishing this series. I I have not. It's been a long time since I've watched a TV show that that was just this artistically perfect on so many different levels. Like it's, mm-hmm. I don't think that there's really anything that you can nitpick out of this series and be like, well, I didn't like this. Well, like okay like it's still like twenty six episodes of really great fucking television, right? It's yeah. so good. I mean, it's um, it's. And I, I want to go back. Like I'm really excited to rewatch this uh, kind of casually because it's so gorgeous and there's so much background detail that I just, I just, and I've talked about that from the very beginning. Like I've wanted to rewatch this since I started it, if that makes sense. Like going into a series and immediately knowing, like, oh, this is going to be something that I continually go back to year after year and pick up new stuff about is going to be so much fun. Yeah, this this rewatch has really been exciting. Um, we talk about a lot of stuff, but obviously. You know, we're taking notes, and we've talked about this before. It's like we can't just sit there and watch it because we have to be alert and, and, and notating things so that we can talk about it. Um, so I'm excited to, whenever I get back to it, to just watch this all the way through um, and absorb a lot of the stuff that I didn't notice the first, you know, three or four times. But, um, yeah, it's it's been a long time, and the you're going to carry that weight thing. That's it, it, hella accurate. Um, this show, I think, sticks with most people that watch it. It's, it's you know, carrying that weight is a very dramatic way to, to put it. But mm-hmm. um, it's it's something that re- it really sticks with you because, like you said, it's, like, artistically perfect. Obviously, every show has its flaws. Cowboy Bebop has its flaws. But it, it executes itself so well. This ending, it, it lands so well that it's hard to, it's hard to forget. Um, and of course the, that line itself, you're going to carry that weight, you know, all these characters who have been trying to escape their pasts and never really dealing with it. Spike finally dealt with it. Spike went back to, you know, to, to deal, to deal with that weight. And, um, this is, this is how it ended up. Uh, we had one person write in a letter and, uh, I think it makes more sense to, to read that here than it does to like try to do a feedback episode for this podcast. Sure, sure, sure. Um, this is our good buddy Fletch. Uh, he guessed it on one of the episodes of uh, one of the, whatchamacallit, our uh, feedback episodes on Monster of the Week. Uh, Fletch says, I watched the show via poor big bootlegs years ago and was not the biggest fan of it. I still think the film sucks. But for the longest time, because of the nature of how I saw it, I did not know there were episodes after Hard Luck Woman. Especially with the nature of the cast splitting up like that, I thought it was an exceedingly bittersweet finale. So when Spike dies became a late 90s meme akin to Eris dies, I literally never realized it was talking about the show. I thought it was a Joker <laughs> reference I missed and that everyone reacting to it like it was a major blow to have been revealed was just fucking around. I didn't learn about real real folks blues and existed until I met my wife. This is where you roast me and I deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is that's super interesting to to think that that's where they ended it. Um First of all, the movie does not suck. I can't what do you what do you whatever. Um, no, but that that's really really interesting to um 
to have like feel like you have like a complete knowledge of the show and to not actually have this final closure um that's what an interesting experience and i wouldn't really blame you for not for not enjoying it as much because of that um you know i was thinking you could almost watch this show in like just the three segmented parts right um like if you took okay let's say episode one and then episode five um ballad of fallen angels and then you take jupiter jazz part one and two and then you take the real folk blues part one and two like you could watch the story of spike julia and vicious in these uh, like three sets of episodes you wouldn't have to watch anything else you'd miss out on jet you miss out on Faye, ed ein everything else um also there's a line around here where jet's on the bebop and he goes where's that dog (laughs) yeah like nobody has realized ed and ein are gone it's very funny to me man I'm just kind of sad. I'm a little bit sad thinking about it, but I love this show and I'm happy that you enjoyed it. Yeah, this was, this was a great, a, a fantastic experience to watch and to get to be able to talk about it with you and, and like have a, have a really good time with this. And I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to doing more, more, more stuff like this. Um, assuming that it exists somewhere. I, um, do you have any final thoughts or should we, should we get out the door? Uh, let's get out of here. Um, all right. well, thank you. Thank you to all of the patrons um, who made this show possible. Patreon.com slash Monster of the Week. We very much appreciate it. Uh, I'm going to get this up as soon as I can, which doesn't matter to anybody listening to it because I'll just listen to it at their own schedule. Uh, but <laughs> typical stuff, uh, Monster of the Week. Cool at MOTWcast, at JG Greer, at Local Bones. Go follow all of that and tell us how much you like Cowboy Bebop. Uh, we'll probably be back with one more episode of this to do to finish the movie, and then uh, this podcast will be done for a while. Who knows? Yeah, I guess so. I guess yeah. so. You're going to carry that weight.